Welcome back to the Bar 89 Podcast, where lately we're talking all things music and we're following up our introductory Hillside Festival 2019 podcast with one of the main acts for this year's festival in Guelph with Bonnie Trash. And uh, we want to introduce you both to, uh, introduce everyone to Emma a Bortolone Vetter and Serafina Troy, and you prefer Sarah, though, right? So I just want to make sure. Yeah, yeah, no, it's totally cool. Like, <laughs> Serafina is my full name, so I, no worries. I, I say Serafina just because you have a unique back, Italian background, uh, and we might get into that in a little bit, but I had to, you know, acknowledge the heritage. <laughs> That's totally cool. <laughs> so, uh, Bonnie Trash, tell us a bit more about this duo of yours and uh, why you're so excited to be uh, performing at uh, Hillside in a couple weeks. Yeah, so we, um, so my my sister and I, Emma and I, um, are our twin sisters, and we've been playing music together for a very long time. And Bonnie Trash is our our project, uh, primarily just just for us. And it it was birthed a few years ago when uh, when we just wanted to work together on a musical project and and write more darker songs. Yeah, yeah. It was 2013, and um, we were writing we were writing a, a lot of uh, stuff with uh, the group that we played with before called The Folk, and we were all different um, songwriters. But for Sarah and I, I think it was an outlet. Bonnie Trash was an outlet for us to um, be able to work together and kind of work through our own differences as well. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, when you're so close to somebody and you're growing up with them uh it's very easy to get very angry and frustrated with each other so i think body trash was also something for us to be able to fully express ourselves without really feeling hesitant about being absolutely pissed off at each other and then saying okay let's write a fucking song you know (laughs) So, So, so tell us maybe about that process when you inevitably like it is human instinct to butt heads how do you as fraternal twins take care of that and move on and move forward uh, well, you, I don't know. It, it changes. It depends on the context and how angry we are at each other. <laughs> um, I think it's usually out of miscommunication, yeah. which is really, really hilarious because most of, you know, our concepts and themes and our music is about communication. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic. Um, and, and usually we work through, uh, it, I wouldn't even, I don't know if it's anger, but it's like passion and it's, it's miscommunication and, and out of that, um, we're, we're able to write with each other and, uh, it's, it's beautiful and we're able to jam together to be able to create riffs and to be able to create the basis for a song. Yeah. And the nice part of settling any sort of argument is if, if you're able to remove yourself from words. So the nice part is that we, we just we always have a schedule where we have to play. So regardless as to whether we're angry at each other or not, you have to meet each other and still put some sort of music for us. And if we are writing or jamming, well, that's a great outlet to just get really loud and really heavy. Love it. Well, for the folks that might not know you as you head into Hillside, um, previous profiles have you listed as, or have you under the genre of psych rock goth noir. Is that still pretty accurate? Have you evolved since then? Or um, is, are there other words or descriptions you would uh, classify you guys as? I think that's pretty accurate. I think, um, I don't know about the psychedelic part, but that's cool. 
Yeah, I like psychedelic. I write psychedelic guitar riffs. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I don't know. I think I think the description is totally fine. Like, I, I would Yeah, I wouldn't know how to describe it. I'd just be like, we play music. Yeah. It's music. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you tell really good stories through that music. So off the hop, I'm curious, what kind of stories just in general are out there right now that maybe fuel your music and songwriting? Yeah, right now we we are currently writing a record um, centered around uh, women, but also the the idea of consumption in in media uh, and, and mass communication. And we're taking this old play called Out at Sea, written by a Polish playwright, Sławomir Mrozek, and um, it's a wonderfully absurd comedy and we're taking themes from that work and developing um this this new record into sort of uh, stories that are close to us um as as women because of course we can only really tell the stories that are are that pertain to us right um and that will hopefully connect uh with with other women and other folks um yeah, who enjoy music. It's really, Edity is kind of like its own kind of complex. A lot of it is about water, but we take this idea, which the basic plot line is three men are stranded out at sea and they have to decide which one to eat. The three names are fat, medium, or thin. Not Steve, um, Dan, and Ryan. Okay, glad, be, glad that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, they, uh, yeah, and, and of course they use social political debate to decide which one to eat, and rather than eating fat, they eat thin, and they have to convince thin that he's the ultimate sacrifice. So in all these conversations that they have, a lot of these exchanges seem to be these like social dynamics of power, and when you add cannibalism to it, there's this great line that's in the play where it's like, as a man who has uh, who cannot justify himself, you, you should be, oh God, I have it somewhere. Um, the best way is for society to eat you, basically how it goes. And so what does that mean? What does it mean when the best way for you who should not be accepted uh, is to be eaten? So there are a lot of elements that are in this play where we keep thinking, what would it be like if we use these modern tales uh, that kind of fit into these these conversations that are had between three men? And what does it look like when you have these social dynamics of power, um, especially in and around women? Where do women come through this? What is it? What would it be like if it was three women stranded out at sea? Or what would it be like if if women were the water. So how can you extra represent this play and kind of drive it into a horror film more so than a comedy? So we're kind of trying to jam pack a lot of things. I swear to God, it's going to make sense. It's just, <laughs> it's loaded right now. See, there's the psychedelic um, goth noir. You got it all jam packed yeah. right in the description of that story. Yeah. I guess that is a good description. <laughs> yeah. That, that's how it's going to go. Um, yeah. So it's, we're in the early stages of that. The earlier stories that we're best known for right now and have been published is based off of our heritage. 
Um, it's called Ezzelini's Dead. Right. Uh, it's an EP that looks at the story of a medieval tyrant that her grandparents used to tell uh, tales about. His name was Ezzelino da Romano. And some cannibalism involved there, too, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we yeah. we love cannibalism. <laughs> we're always, like, I don't know. It, it, we're not done with it yet, I guess. It's a, it's a really interesting way to see how it... How do we um, consume each other, not necessarily from the physical flesh, but Figuratively. the things that we put out there? Yeah, and especially the way that we exist in a digital world. But yeah, yeah. we are avatars, and how do we consume each other's avatars at the same time? <laughs> but Bezzolino um, de Romano was uh, the third, was um, uh, a tyrant that had a tower in San Zanone degli Azzolini in Italy. It's in the where, north. Where our family's from. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, the Veneto province. And uh, the tale went that our lovely grandparents would tell us was that he would pick from his tower which peasants to eat every night. And um, eventually tunnels were made for everybody to hide. But that idea of having this space and saying, this is mine, you cannot retaliate because not only will I kill you, I will eat you. That's uh, that's that's pretty mean. <laughs> and that's something good to go to sleep at night with, like a good little story to remind, uh, remember, right? Like good be- a good <laughs> yeah, bedtime story. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so we just kept thinking, whoa, this is a creepy story. But what is it? What does we started exploring? Well, what does that mean to eat somebody? So we had peppered in a little bit of the past, or we had recorded our Nona telling the story in Trevisan dialect. Um, and then we just kept asking this question of like, okay, well, what does this mean for us to consume each other? What does it mean for us to consume ourselves? What does that look like? Are we tyrants or is it the opposite? So that's kind of where the question of like this, this cannibalism within a digital realm came up and was a space for us to explore by using, you know, a fun folktale. Um, yes. Wow. A fun folktale, Emma. Fun yeah. Folk fun yeah, a nice little genre blend. And in that exploration, there were some ties to Guelph itself, was there not? Yes, yes, absolutely. So we, we did some research in, in regards to the connection uh, between between Sanzanone and, uh, and Guelph. And it's kind of wild because Guelph, Ontario is the sister city of of Sanzanone, of, yeah. of Treviso, and it's sort of on the entrance sign into Guelph um, in several different places when you're when you're driving into our into our city. Yeah, and at, at one okay. point in time, um, at one point in time, Guelph had the largest population of Italians per per capita, um, which is kind of wild too. This this tiny city had so many Italians and uh, predominantly northern uh, northern Italian immigrants. And what what's kind of fascinating about Guelph and Sanzanone is is the fact that Guelph actually means uh, in from an Italian definition, it's a medieval collective, a royal medieval collective. And so a lot of people uh, you know, and maybe historically, yes, Guelph is tied to the Queen um, as as the royal city. Uh, but in in our minds, in my mind, I believe that it is the Italian definition of a medieval royal collective. And what's wild is that Ezzelini, um, Ezzelino was was part of this conflict in medieval times, uh, in conflict with a group called the Guelph Lydians. 
which is kind of fascinating. So there's all these little sort of connections between Guelph and Sansanone. And then, of course, in the city of Guelph, there are apparently tunnels. Uh, running under the city, um, and that. most yeah, and most famously, there is speculation and rumor that there are tunnels beneath. There's an old bar called the Albion um, in downtown Guelph. That there's a tunnel sort of leading from the Albion to uh, the the Church of Our Lady, which is kind of wild. And of course, in San Zanone, there are tunnels uh, under the city and there's tunnels leading to their sort of um, the the primary church. church. Yeah. So church. it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's quite fascinating. All of yeah. all of the little connections. It brings a nice little standpoint for us to kind of start telling a spooky story. And yeah. yeah if you're in uh, Hamilton, you don't have this. Sorry. You know, oh, okay. Right? You don't have it. <laughs> no, I'm saying all if right. you, if you're from Hamilton, this is all out the window, but you're, you know, the connection to Guelph and the fact that Hillside's there, it's all perfect. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was the uh, Guelphites and the Ghibellines. You know, uh, if you, they were two medieval collectives. Uh, as we know, that Romano was part of the Ghibellines, and the Guelphites were more like of a papal. Guelph, Guelph, They were more of a papal um, group of people that kind of looked, that leaned towards church. Whereas Ghibellines were more so states. Yeah. You know, and this is all very fascinating. I'm one for give me as much information as possible as I'm guessing you guys are. But how do you keep it all in check, in order, and really that you don't fall too far down the rabbit hole in creating your music? Well, that's a great that's a great question because right now we we're in a we are in a rabbit hole. So I love I love being able to talk about this at this point in time uh, it, because we are still in the inception stage with our new record. So we're tying we're we have all these themes, we have all these sort of concepts bridging from this play called Out at Sea, and we're kind of starting to connect all the dots together uh, to be able to cohesively uh, say exactly. What what we're trying to um, what we're trying to talk about in our new new record. So it's quite exciting. And the nice part about collaborating with each other is that you can tell who fell down the rabbit hole farther. So at least <laughs> you can oh tell God. them to pick themselves up. Like I, I yeah. last uh-huh. week I went through a rabbit hole. I filled up this whole little notebook that I'm holding on to right now about okay, here's the concept, here's how it's going to work, and then like a grocery list. So, I think Did you remember the eggs, though. Did you remember the eggs? Yeah, I remember. I remembered the eggs, and I've got a whole bunch of written stuff down here about how it all makes sense. Um, yeah, but I don't. I don't know how you you really keep somebody in check unless you have uh, like a creative partnership where maybe there's a realist or a pragmatist or somebody takes that role to kind of mm-hmm. just kind of make sure the other person is in check. Mm. But I think ultimately you got both or all creative inputters fall down some sort of rabbit hole and get stuck in a corner and have to realize, okay, how the hell do I get out of this now? I feel like I'm the one to take you out of it in regards to um, like literature yes. and, yes. and sort of uh, brainstorming. Um, I'm more of like the pragmatic one. I'm far more goal oriented where Emma is it's far more process oriented. So it's a nice mix because I'm the one to step in and be like, 
okay, like we could talk about this for another two years, but I think we have enough material now that we can sort of take the research that we have and the ideas and start picking, you know, away at at certain things that we want to take and and developing songs around the ideas and around the main, the main story. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. Well, with with how, like your lyrics and what you're talking about, it's just so visual too. And it it makes a nice connection with the theme of uh, the Guelph Hillside Festival too, because it's not only music, they promote a lot of artists. So have you ever given thought to just adding visuals along to support your music as well? Are either of you into painting or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. We were we were actually going to have uh, visuals um, for for our our performance at Hillside, uh, but we were we were slotted too early in the day. So if we if we were more so playing uh, sort of late at night, uh, then it would be easier to have visuals sort of um, along with our music. When are you slotted um, for? We're at one o'clock on the Sunday, so on July the fourteenth, everyone's going to crawl out of their campsites. Maybe a little hungover, you never know, and uh, have a cup of coffee and get some intense uh, music thrown their way too, right? That's right. And I go to the Church of Darkness, and (laughs) yeah, they can go to the Church of Darkness. And because, of course, cannabis is legal, we would love to see people enjoying their legal cannabis and watching the dark. Stuff that we make. Yeah. <laughs> we won't have as, as intensive visual aids, but we'll stare people down and we'll still give you some sort of a performance. Um, the main goal is by the end of everything, we'd like to have more visuals that tie in with our storytelling, but of course, um, based off of technological demands and what a space is and what time of day it is, you always have to adapt it. So That's exactly yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. You brought up the point of technology, though, too, and I want to hone in on that because I, I think it has a lot to do with your commentary and maybe society's overuse and over uh, over reliance on technology. So maybe first of all, to comment on that and your overall perspective. And as an artist, how do you like to incorporate and maybe just tell fans maybe avoid using technology at your shows to really absorb what you're singing? Yeah, totally. I. Oh, oh, sorry. I honestly love technology. They're extensions of ourselves, but I think it's choices in which we choose to extend ourselves. Um, and I think that in the way that we have managed to extend ourselves in our current realm of technological uses, that we do represent ourselves in a digital world as well as our own physical world because we are human. Um, and, and I think that really changes the way that we think, uh, interact, create friendships, even um, speak to each other, like go on Twitter. I mean, it's, it's not as popular of a, of a technological medium these days, but it's all about the gram right now, right? It's all about the gram. Yeah. Yeah. But like, if you read some <laughs> of the comments that are on Twitter, Oh man, people are, can be mean, but like that's an extension of the self where you're able to throw some of the meanest comments over to somebody and not have to face them. Yeah, but so, that happens on that happens okay. on all social media. I'm not the biggest one. Instagram user. Yeah, um, but you know that's that's a different behavior in itself as a result of extending yourself within that medium. And if you use it, then that's your extension of yourself. So I don't know whether it's overuse or just trying to grapple with how do you balance your physical reality with your digital reality these days. I just think that it's really changed the way that 
we choose to interact and it can be in both a beneficial way, but it could also create such harm as well. Do you guys watch Star Trek? Absolutely. Okay. Do you remember that <laughs> I'm the TNG nerd of the three. No, I'm, I'm all about that. <laughs> right. yes. nice. Let's do it. Uh, do you remember that TNG episode where Barkley was always stuck in his world with, um, in the holodeck? Yes. Okay. So he had his physical self and then he had his digital self, but he had to find that balance for himself because ultimately you still, you still exist in a physical world. Um, so I think that's kind of what I, I, I feel some of our struggles are like. However, the way that we can consume each other's stories are fast. It's almost like 170 characters. That's like osmosis to the eyes. So are you we know? eventually going to turn into the Borg or what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. what I, I've been trying to contemplate what are the positive, what is positive about the Borg <laughs> and what is not. Because clearly they're doing something that had been really successful. Like when they almost took over Earth and then of course like the whole crew was like, no way. But I don't know. I don't know. Like, I guess the board is shown as like folks without a soul and like, yeah, that totally sucks, but I don't know where to stand on this board <laughs> concept just yet. But Sarah, you were saying something. My apologies. I cut you off. I think you summed it up pretty, pretty well, but I think the, the really, the thing that we have to remember um, with this overuse of technology, which I, I truly believe that there is uh, overuse um, of it, especially <laughs> because anytime you walk out, now or you're you're in a sort of metropolitan city anywhere really people are walking in they're looking at their phones while they're walking so to me i think there is certainly over usage just in regards to that like they need to open up those tunnels underneath again so there's no reception down there and (laughs) yeah 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 exactly exactly so i think that bothers me a lot because uh, people are missing out um, in, in regards to what's around them, what they can see, uh, you know, naturally. Um, and, and they're just staring down at their phones. What's wild about this, guys, is that there's a study that came out, and this is why there is overusage, and this is why it's so prevalent. There, there's a study in regards to bone spurs developing in the back of people's skulls because we're looking at our phones too much. I saw that, yeah, and holding them up to your head. Yeah, right. yeah, so you can, yeah, so the devil is here <laughs> and alive, and they're, I'm just joking, and, um, and I don't know, and people are are developing and, and growing, yeah, little wow. little bone spurs, which definitely means that we're, we're overusing uh, technology. And it's it's almost frightening. And of course, as you mentioned, the gram, you know, this, the, the Instagram, um, there's this whole concept of, yeah, validation, have to feel validated for the photos, got to get the likes, got to do this. Got to use just, the filters, really, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's um, that he acknowledges. It's yeah, but then it's also empowering at the same time. Yeah. It's like so. It's such a fifty-fifty split because it's so incredible for people, for, exactly, and for people to share their stories and be able to share the stories of people uh, that can connect with their stories so that they don't feel alone and isolated. It's so empowering. It's such a positive change. But on the other side, it's there's this like you know, that 
there's this va- concept of validation. There's this there's hate. There are hateful comments that are sprung about uh, within social media, um, and and it's it's scary. It's it's yeah. really scary. And of course, the whole yeah. fake news thing. You know, it's it's um yeah. It's yeah. just it's it's quite it's quite scary, but it's also great. So yeah. it's. Uh, you mentioned two okay. things that really stood out to me. One, you just said about it should be empowering and the stories that, that are out there be told. And earlier you'd mentioned like how Twitter, it's if you scroll through, it's so easy to just see the negative comments. And last year, the theme at Hillside was conquering hate with beauty. And the lead up episode we did, that that totally came up. We just it's so easy to be negative. And yeah. it just and as you said, 140 characters or whatever, just no one knows me. I can just put that out there and, and share an opinion. And mm-hmm. that definitely came up. And, and then you, you, you look at this year's theme with, with stories that need to be told, which you just highlighted as well. And, you know, just in our conversation here today, I could tell that the audience is going to have a real treat listening to stories that you are going to be sharing that day. My question, though, was does your schedule for that weekend allow you to partake in the rest of the weekend or will it just be the Sunday? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we're absolutely. We're we're going to be there all weekend. I've got ice cream to eat, man. Like there are three <laughs> ice cream trucks. Yeah, I'm in it. I'm in it to eat the ice cream. Not to mention, obviously, the the action, the lineup is yes. absolutely fantastic as oh, well. So this is going to be my third time seeing Snotty Nose Rise Kids, and they are awesome. They are just the most legit hip hop group. Um, and yes, yes, and our our Hamilton Pals elevator are going to be playing as well. So it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great, yeah, great time. Guys. Oh my gosh. And Orville Peck. Yeah. That, yeah. So. Yeah. It's going to be a great, be a great weekend. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm curious because you've talked about so much of uh, what influences you, what motivates you, but can you take us back to kind of your childhood, both of your childhoods really, and um, maybe the beginning of your creative process, what got you here? What were your main focus of attention? Were you interested in the boat uh, in the similar things growing up? Uh, take us through that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, well, I think my first introduction to music was, uh, listening to black Sabbath volume four on vinyl. So I was very, very fortunate, though, to have that record and to have, you know, uh, a solid, solid pair of, of uh, parents that uh, that had a vinyl player and kept all their records. Uh, so that was a pivotal moment for me where I was like, wow, I really like this. Uh, and then the second stage was Emma started playing guitar and and at that point, before she started playing guitar, I didn't I, I wasn't personally sure if I was going to be playing music or what I was going to be doing. Mm-hmm. But as soon as she started playing guitar, I was like, well, the guitar needs drums. Like you can't just, <laughs> just play guitar. Like you need, there needs to be a band. So I basically started playing drums as a result of Emma playing guitar. And I was like, Oh, this is great. We're like, we're black Sabbath, but we're not. <laughs> Did it take much convincing <laughs> to get those instruments though? Or were they basically handed over? No problem. Uh, we, I ended up, or Sarah and I received a guitar for our 10th birthday uh, from a, a tenant uh, who was living at our parents' house. And I guess that w- that's where it kind of started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was never hard, though, because our, our uncles always played music and our parents have always been really supportive of inco- incorporating music as an educational basis. Yeah. Um, 
growing up as a person so you can at least appreciate music. So, yeah, it was never really hard. They've always been incredibly supportive. So, so yeah. how, how much do your parents um, contribute to the discussion you guys have now, too, through the creative process? Or are they basically taking a backseat to this thing and seeing where you guys go because of, you know, how, how far down the rabbit hole you've both gone? Yeah, yeah. They show up to gigs every now and then. <laughs> they show up. That's um, it. That's the support there. All they're right. Like, they don't, yeah. They're like, as long as you're happy, we don't really care what you're doing. They, yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're both very hardworking people and so if we're in a rut of trying to figure out a business idea or something like that they're definitely the go-to people our mom's a professor of human resources management and our dad is an sap consultant so supply chain management and processes man you can totally get those cleared through anna and larry absolutely those are apparent can you, <laughs> yeah. can you find a way of tying that all into uh your storytelling <laughs> no um no, <laughs> I, should, I know nothing about it <laughs> well what's actually fascinating is uh, for, first off obviously we have a we have, we're very fortunate very blessed to have a, a supportive uh supportive family oh, but also God. they're like they're both our dad was a songwriter for a while and our mother was an actress. So arts has always been very, very important. Um, and our mother is actually starring in an upcoming music video that, uh, that we're going to release at some point in time. First ever, or is this your first music video? This is our second music video and it's um, for a new song that we will be releasing soon that is off of the, the new record um, and we're very proud of it. So when's, it, when's mother- it dropping? Uh, we got some breaking news here all of a sudden. Oh, yeah, we don't know when it's going uh, to drop whenever the video whenever the video is done and we'll, we'll sort of um, see who'd like to pop it up on their website and go from there. Well, we're the D- definitely yeah. keep in touch with the Bar 89 because we certainly would like to be the, one of the first to see that if possible. <laughs> of course, yeah, of course, totally. So yeah. I guess next steps here uh, before we wrap up, what's uh, aside from the music video, which is obviously still on the go, what what are your main goals here and wh- what are you focusing on as a priority for Bonnie Trash? Like in the summer? Oh, well, <laughs> in the summer or in the years ahead musically <laughs> and career-wise, yeah. Finishing our record. That's number one. All right. Um, one step at a time, I guess. Out, yeah, we <laughs> scheduled out our, our, our funny earlier today. We scheduled out our work plan on how we're going to record everything from the summer into the early fall. Um, but yeah, I guess the main goal is one, get this record done to continue playing shows and shows in different spaces where we haven't um, explored yet. We would love to, I think we were thinking of fall 2020 as, as, kind of like a, a goal to reach for to um, go to Europe for a bit. Um, we could definitely play in Italy, at least in San Zanone <laughs> and Boscano del Grafa. Um, yeah, and just to explore different areas of that. What's kind of interesting about having recorded my Nona or our Nona speaking in Trevisani dialect is that it, that allowed us to connect with a lot of other people who do speak that dialect and come from that region. So it's, it's a little connector um, uh, that we can use. But yeah, those are really the goals, right? Like finish the project. Oh, here's the perform it. Here's a good one. Here's a good one. We have to finish the story that, that we got to finish the story. 
And we have to finish our story. It's all about the beginning, the middle, and the end. And uh, I guess we'll have to anticipate what the end will, will sound like and maybe look like too, depending on if this video or when this video gets done. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Right now, the video involves a lot of black water, red light, and uh, and our mom <laughs> looking like a head. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, Emma and Sarah, I can't say thanks enough from uh, the three of us really for taking the time out of your busy schedules to really try to encapsulate everything about Bonnie Trash <laughs> in a mere 30 minutes. So really appreciate that. We're looking forward to catching you guys at Hillside uh, 2019 in a few weeks time. And uh, I guess for everyone tuning in again, it's Sunday at 1 p.m. The Church of Bonnie Trash, as you said, correct? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much again. And uh, looking forward to checking out what you guys are all about. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys. Much appreciated. Well, gentlemen, that was definitely an enlightening conversation. And uh, I I hope everyone takes the time on Sunday morning to get up as crazy as Saturday night might be. It's going to be well worth seeing Bonnie Trash, I think. Absolutely. And uh, I'll just say of the three of us, Dan, you're the thinnest. Just keep that in mind, buddy. Sorry. Oh, yeah, that's a very good point. Sorry, bud. Very lean, though. So He'll be chewy. Don't get in a canoe with us in the middle of a big lake. <laughs> and you're like the youngest, so the ten- yeah. tenderest meat. The running's on the wall. <laughs> yeah, aged 18 years, I guess. Well, on, on that cannibalistic note, <laughs> we'll wrap up this latest podcast of The Bar E. So for Stephen Frake and Ryan Carmichael, I'm Dan Paulschuk. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll check you next time.